0: Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Bless the speaking and the hearing of your word. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Several years ago, my wife and I were planning um, a first-ever all-family camping trip with our young kids. Uh, This was going to be in Arizona, in Williams, Arizona, near the Grand Canyon. And uh, all three of our littles, we were, we were going to take them with us, and both sets of grandparents. And we had everything planned out, uh, where we were going to stay, um, the sleeping arrangements, um, how good the weather was going to be, uh, all of these things. It was our, this just kind of a, a geared for, planned out vacation. We could not wait, step away from all the demands of life. <sighs> Have a, breathe a sigh of relief. Uh, A dear friend of the family actually set us aside though before we set out on this trip, and she told us how it actually works. (laughs) She said, what you guys are about to do is not what's called a vacation. Okay, when you're traveling with young children, you don't go on vacations. Vacation is when you vacate the responsibilities of life and you go get pampered and or you know your needs and maybe your wants are met and you're not worrying about anything at all but you're traveling with your children this will not be a vacation so we said well what is it then she said you want to call it an adventure it's an adventure Advent, we're not in the season of Advent, but Advent is like revealing, right? Something is coming out of nowhere, and on an adventure, uh, you might have different twists and turns. Adventures have unforeseen things that occur, sometimes things that you don't want to happen, Uh, sometimes things that you weren't expecting but were better than you planned, it was pretty good insight, not just when you're traveling with small kids, but for life in general, and, uh, but it's not one that I'm ever going to follow because I like to plan. I know I'm supposed to get up in the morning and have like, my quiet time with the Lord, or if you're in the secular world, you're supposed to do your mindfulness or something like this, but you know what I do? I check my calendar and the weather app. That's the first thing I want to do. I want to plan out my day. I want to know what's coming, who am I meeting with, when is it going to occur, I want to know uh, what the weather's going to be like so I can dress accordingly, I want to plan it all out. And actually, now that I'm mentioning this, you've stopped listening to what I'm preaching and you are thinking right now about your afternoon what am I planning today? Who's coming over to the house or, who's, or where are we going? And how do I avoid that topic of conversation with family this afternoon? And what am I doing the rest of the week? Now you're thinking about the week ahead, right? You can't even enjoy today or this afternoon. You got to be thinking about what's coming up in the week ahead. Some of you are already, as soon as I said camping, you already were in summer, you're ready to skip right over this spring, the supposed spring that we're having, and go right into summer. Uh, some of you, if you're very intrepid, have got your five-year plan mapped out. It could be around education, right, where you're going to, I'm going to go to school, I'm going to th- go th- do this major, get this profession. It could be in your work life. Uh, it could be retirement. Some of you are 30 years away, but you're planning your retirement right now. We are planners, And when I say we, I just mean human beings, right? There's no us's and them's here. At some level, we all plan things out because at a default, we assume that our life is built upon our plans, our decision making, our execution. Of things. I mean, you think about just what you want out of life and how you want to see yourself and your family and, and all those things. We assume it's built upon the planning that we make, the decisions that we make, and you kind of do these incremental things, and that's how you end up with a life, with who you are. And then, bam! Catastrophe maybe an adventure, maybe not so eagerly experienced as an adventure, but something happens that completely changes that. And now we always think of catastrophe maybe as uh, natural disasters or something, but kind of in the original sense of the word, it would just be this sudden, maybe even violent overturning of how things are. And we never plan for that. I was uh, thinking about a friend of mine, I've known him my whole life, but He had one such experience when he was in college. Uh, He was doing really well uh, all through high school, good grades, really good at math, which I don't understand how that's possible, but he was doing it and uh, knew where he was going to go. He had the grades, he had the extracurriculars, the sports, everything. He was going to go to a a big state school in California. He uh, would be in an engineering program. He had been there for two years. He was still dating his high school sweetheart, uh, even though she wasn't at the school with him, uh, they were still together. And so he had his whole kind of life, at least the short term of it, mapped out, planned out. I'm going to get this degree, I'm going to graduate, I'm going to get a job with one of these types of businesses, we're going to get married, this is how it's going to go. And then, out of nowhere, to him, she broke it off. That plan's gone. And it threw him into a tailspin of questioning everything else that he had been planning on. It was a catastrophe to him, this experience. And he realized, I don't like this school, it's too big, I feel too anonymous, I don't even like my major. You know how sometimes people say, oh, you're good at this, and they kind of steer you in directions, and you think, okay, I'm good at this, therefore I should do this. And he felt like he had been kind of guided along and had all those plans, and then realized, I don't even like this, I don't even know what I want to do. And going into his junior year, he, he thought, well, it's too late, I can't <laughs> change it now. But he did. It it completely upended. This one thing that he was not planning on completely upended all of his plans and sent him in a totally different direction in his life. Not just with school and profession, but the people he was around, his faith life, all of it. Everything was, was overturned. Now, as I'm telling you about him, some of you are probably thinking of your own experiences of catastrophe of something that happened to you that has changed the course of your life. You spend all this time, like 90% of our time is spent on the planning of something and you think that that's what will shape your life and then something comes from seemingly out of nowhere and overturns it. And I I bet every one of us here can think of many examples and maybe whether you can or can't, you're starting to worry about what's coming in the future. (laughs) As I'm describing, you're like, please stop talking about this. Because I don't want to think about, I've got plans right now. What if something a week down the line, a year down the line, 10 years down the line just shows up and completely overturns it? In our gospel reading today, we have the story of Jesus' resurrection. But it starts with the women going to the tomb. Now, they're going to the tomb with a plan But actually, I want to rewind a little bit. Let's go back a week before the events of Easter, when Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, riding on the donkey to shouts of Hosanna, save us, blessed is the King of Israel. As Jesus is coming into God's holy city to these shouts and praises and welcome, you have to imagine that the women and the other disciples are making plans, wouldn't you? They're making plans. Hey, this, the ministry is actually working. People are responding to Jesus. Look what's happening here. And so they and the other disciples are undoubtedly planning for what the, the, the future is going to look like, what their ministry is going to be like, what their, their life is going to be shaped by. And then as the week goes, if this unravels. There's a catastrophe. That's what the cross is. It's a catastrophe. Jesus is betrayed He's denied, he's rejected, he's killed. All of the plans that they were making are gone in an instant. Now they come on that first Easter morning, but they don't know it's that first Easter morning. They're coming to the tomb at dawn with plans. They're planning like we often do for the worst case scenario. They're planning to find Jesus' body there, and to maybe prepare the body for the next step in his burial. It was, a, it was a temporary location. They didn't realize how temporary the location was at that moment. But they, they're coming prepared for death, prepared for the end. That's their plan. And then what happens? It's actually another catastrophe. It's a totally other catastrophe. The earth literally moves under their feet. This is what we often think about when we think of catastrophes in our day and age, of natural disasters. Matthew tells us there is an earthquake. Everything is moving under them. Isn't that how we feel when our life is being upended? Right? Everything is just moving underneath us. And the angel comes, dazzling white and terrifying. They're not sweet things. They always have to tell people, don't be afraid of me. And rolls the stone away from the tomb. And there's another catastrophe here. Everything has been changed. In fact, they were planning for Jesus to be dead. Who knows what their other plans were. Guess what? Those plans don't mean anything anymore either. Which makes you wonder, is there such a thing as a good catastrophe? Can there be such a thing as a good catastrophe? We probably just hear that word and and think only of the bad, but can there be a good catastrophe? I heard a Another story recently of a young man, this was reported by a guy named Jonathan Goldstein, and the young man's name is Jesse, and uh, some years back, he, kind of like my friend in college, uh, was, you know, living life the way he was thinking it was supposed to go. Uh, He was was after school, after college, he was already working his first job, living a good life, and uh, one of the days when the weather was nicer, he got on his bike and went out to the park to eat lunch uh, on his lunch break from work, and while he's there, he's thinking about vacations he's going to take and friends he's going to visit with and just all the different plans that he's got, you know, being in his mid-20s and starting his life out. And then as he got back on his bike to leave the park and ride back to the office, he was struck by a person driving a car at 45 miles an hour. It hit him and completely knocked him out, He was in a a coma for several weeks, and when he finally came out of it, he had no memory, not just of the incident, but even like the time leading up to it. Like what had happened from the moment he put his leg over the bike and, and started to go. And as you would imagine and would be totally understandable, as he came out of the coma and had to start working on all of the rehabilitation and trying to like get your life back together, he was very angry about this. And I would expect that's where the story would go, but it's not where it goes. One day he said a a flip just switched in his head and he started to realize that he was experiencing everything in his life like it was the first time. Like he said that he would eat an apple and he felt like it was the first time he had ever eaten an apple. Do you guys remember the first time you ever ate an apple? No, not even the little kids. They're shaking their head at me. I can't even remember it. He would look up to the sky and see the blueness of the sky and just kind of get lost in it a bit and staring at it. Now, I'm hearing this story, and I was thinking, man, I don't know if I want to talk about this because it could sound too prescriptive, like I'm telling us what we should do. But that's not my point. My point is just the miracle of what he was receiving in that and how he just his life had been forced to slow down, and the story goes even, gets even crazier to me, because not only has he had this kind of switch in his mind about what has happened to him and the shape of his life before versus after this catastrophe, he finds himself constantly thinking and worrying about the man who hit him. He's thinking about the other, the guy, there's another young man who had hit him with his car and he's worrying about him. He's concerned because he knows that, you know, in that catastrophe, there were two people involved in this and life had been upended for both of them. And so he really wanted to know how this guy was. And he didn't want to go confront him as we might assume he wanted to do. He doesn't want to go get explanations from him. He, he wants to say three things To the man. So Jonathan Goldstein, the guy reporting on this story, coordinates this meetup between Jesse and this other young man and gets them together. And Jesse has three things that he wants to say to the person who radically changed his life. The first thing he wants to say is, I'm sorry. The guy who's hit wants to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for this happening to you. I'm sorry for the trauma and the hardship that you've experienced as a result of it, that's the first thing he wants to say. The second thing he wants to say to him is, thank you. I can't wrap my mind around this. Thank you. Because Jesse said that the life he was living before this catastrophe was shallow and kind of directionless, and he, he wasn't really living. I mean, whatever it looked like to himself and to the world around him, there was no real life in him there. And so he, he wanted to thank the man for this catastrophe. And the third thing he wanted to say to him was, I love you. I'm sorry. Thank you. And I love you. Can there be such a thing as a good catastrophe? Well, this is what we actually see with Easter. That's the truth of. Easter. None of us would plan on this. <laughs> and it comes like like an earthquake, like a shot in the dark, right? Straight to our hearts. It overturns everything. And you know, we, we spend so much of our time making our plans, and our plans kind of lead us to dead ends. <laughs> And we live our lives thinking we've built everything on the decisions we've made and the turns we've taken. And sometimes when we look back, we we do so with regret and we think, this is it. This is all that there is. And God comes to us again and again in his word and in the resurrection of Jesus and says, no, actually, that's not what your life is built on. That's not who you are. He overturns all of this. Our life is actually built on the life of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, When we think about our lives and and the regrets that we have and the sin that we carry, the resurrection reminds us that God has actually wiped all of that away. It's not who you are anymore. Easter is the ultimate good catastrophe that has changed everything for you and for me. Now, already in my mind, I'm trying to make plans. Well, what should I do with this? How can I respond? What's the thing I should be planning next? And I don't know. I don't know. I don't think there is any prescription for us. There's just freedom. But I kind of want to, I feel a little bit like Jesse, at least in terms of what I want to say to Jesus, because sometimes you're just speechless at how good and crazy this is. But like Jesse, sometimes I just feel led to say, I'm sorry, thank you, and I love you.